Why so thoughtless are you standing while the fleeting years go by and your life is spent in falling? Oh, prepare to meet thy God, careless soul. Oh, he In Jesus' name, we are prayed. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We glorify your name for another privilege that you have given unto us to come before you today. It is our prayer that you will minister grace unto every life. And as we look at this matter of arising and escaping for our life, we pray that you would help us. That this will not just be words, but each and every one of us will be ready. Ready to take our flight. Ready to go when the trumpet sounds. And when the last call is made in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' unchanging name we have prayed. Amen. Now, we want to thank everyone for joining again this evening. And for all those that will still listen to this session, we pray that God himself will speak unto us this day in Jesus' name. Now, there are times that when we come like this, we come with a message. There are times that when we come like this, we come to teach. And we open the scriptures to expand through the help of the Holy Spirit for us to get some understanding and apply these things to our life. But this evening, we're not going to just be doing teaching. It's not just going to be a message, but I have come with an appeal. And it is an appeal to all. And to all, I mean yes, to all. To those that are sinners, to those who are professors of the Christian faith, to those who are believers already and standing and walking on the path towards the celestial kingdom. To those who have fled to lay hold on life eternal. To all, this message has come. Now, if there be any sinner, that is listening today. And by sinner, I mean someone who is still living in sin, without secret or open, or, or someone who has not come to the genuine saving faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps someone rising and falling and has not gotten real victory over sin. This message comes to you. But not to you only, even to many who seem to be in the Lord who today may be professing that they possess God. This message is also for you. And I also trust that this message is for those who might have gotten victory over sin. And it's coming to encourage each and every one of us and press on, for we are closer to our redemption than when we first believed. I want to say this for this last category of people. Perhaps you're already saved. And you are standing by the grace of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. That by two immutable things. In which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge. To lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor to the soul. But sure and steadfast. And which entered into that within the veil. Now why have I said this? In our world today. There is a tendency. For the many blings that are in the world to distract. There is a propensity for us to get acquainted with the world to the end that we lose hope of eternal life. And so God is going to be speaking to every one of us today to realize that what he has set for us, the hope that he has set before us, it's a lively hope. And it is backed up by him 
that made the whole universe. Now, while men may pursue money, the money of the world, for example, is backed up by nations of the world. And so the, the money that is in your pockets only has value because it is backed up by the nation that owns the money. The hope that we are carrying is not empty hope. It is lively hope. And so there is no need for us to, because of the things that are in this world that are temporary, lose focus of that which is eternal to the end that we now begin to acclimatize ourselves with this world. Praise the Lord. So as we come to look at lots today from our studies, while we may talk about lots, the goal is not to talk about just lots, but rather it's for you and it's for me. If you turn the Bible to the book of Genesis chapter 19 that we just read, and you will see why I started with that introduction, because it is important for us to understand some very, very critical matters that God has caused to be written in the scriptures. If you look at Genesis chapter 19, and I will start reading from verse 12. And the Bible says, And the men said unto Lot, As thou hear any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is wasting great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now that was just the night before the destruction. And so verse 14, the Bible says, And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get ye out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. For he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise. Now, when we name the topic of today, of this session, Arise, that was where we got it from. It says, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. One of the things that you will see is that God, through the angel, is saying, Arise. You know, and one of the things that really, really bothered me was why do we have Arise? And we see that A capitalized. And when you look at scriptures, you will realize that when a light comes, it comes as a command. It comes as an instruction. And instead of just saying, let's make the title of this session escape, I realize that there is a need for a man to arise before he escapes. Praise the Lord. Now, you will now realize when we get to verse 17, I will, I will jump verse 16, because we're still going to read this passage again. And come to verse 17. After Lot and his family had been taken out of the city, verse 17, and it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, escape for thy life. So there is first an arising, which was to bring them out of the city of destruction. And then we have an escape. I wondered first, does the arising and taking them out of the land of Sodom, of the city of Gomorrah, and the areas that God was going to destroy nothing of. But God said to the angels, escape for thy life. I was thinking, could it be that the taking them out of Sodom and Gomorrah was that all? It's taking them out of harm's way. But no, there is still need for escape. 
And I've come to tell us this evening that God is calling us not just only to arise, but God is calling us also to what? To escape. And now let's take the first one, arise. So when you look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 15, again, the Bible says, arise, saying, arise. Take thy wife and thy daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Now, what was it that Lot needed to arise from? That was another question that really, really bothered me. Because when you look at the scripture, in verse 12 and 13, the men had already told Lot that they were going to destroy the land. That the cry of the, of, of the city was so loud before God. Right? So if you look at 19, chapter 19, verse, in verse 13, but we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So it is no question that God has decided to destroy the land. So when you hear that God was going to destroy the land, why did you need to arise? You have already been told in verse 13 that the land is going to be destroyed. If a man needs to arise, it's because that man is either sleeping or sitting. And when I look through the scripture, where was lost? What was he doing? What was the state? And what can we learn from this? What does it mean for Lot to arise? And what does that mean for you and I to arise? If you look at Lot in chapter 19, verse 6 to 8, the Bible says, And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. And verse 8, Behold now, I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as it's good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, but therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. You see, a man who was negotiating with the world, the sinful world, that was the state that he was in. You see, a man who was willing to give and to sacrifice to meet the needs of the sinful men so as to meet another so-called righteous need. He was a negotiator with the world. And he could even call them brethren. Now, I thought that maybe the brethren was just a nice way just to address them, but no. At the time, Lord was in business, in fellowship with the world. So he was not only a negotiator with the world, he was in fellowship with the world. Now, that was not the only thing. Now, how do I know that? When you come to verse 13, when the angels now spoke to him, Lot, as thou hear any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. So you see that this was a man. And you see in verse 14, he, he, he went out to go and meet his sons-in-law. He was a man that has ties, ties with Sodom. So when God is saying arise, it is not just a matter of escape. Because you must first arise before you escape. Like I said, Lord was a negotiator with the world. Lord had fellowship with the world. Lord had ties with the world, the sinful world. 
the world, the city of destruction. And so when God is saying, arise, God is saying, awake. He's saying, realize that this land is going to be destroyed. Ignite your own lights and separate yourself to escape from this world. Arise. Awake. This is a man who the Bible called righteous man in 2 Peter. But he was a sleeping righteous man. Now, I want to tell you that at a time when Jesus is going to be coming to the world, many people who might even be redeemed at last might be sleeping. They will not be waiting, watching, and walking towards the coming of the Lord. And I want you to note this. And if you turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 25, an example of the 10 virgins. And I can read from verse 5. The Bible says, while the bridegroom tarried, they have waited for so long. The Bible says, they slumbered and slept. To arise is to awake. The night has just passed. The night just, you know, it was midnight. The Bible says, and at midnight, there was a cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. You see? All of them arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, not so. Lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So when we see the need for this man to arise, it is for him, one, to awake. To awake from his slumbering. To awake from his sleep. His sleep and his rest in the world. That made him to be negotiating, that made him to have fellowship with the world, and also ties, including familiar ties with the world. But that was not all. He, in his arising, he needs to realize and be revived. Revived to see the, the state of the world that he is in, and realize that the world, the city, is going to be destroyed. The story is often told about the pilgrim. If you've read the book, Pilgrim Progress. If there's no realization, a man cannot run, cannot escape. If a man does not come to see that I am so entangled with the world, and this world that I am tied to, if I'm not careful, I will be destroyed with it. And then that creates a sense of urgency to run, to escape. So it is to be awakened. It is to realize and to be revived. But it's also to ignite. You know, I saw in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, that, that story of the ten virgins. The Bible says they trimmed their lamp because it was night. It was night. Behold, the bridegroom comes. And I want to tell you, when Jesus Christ was telling the disciples about his coming, he talked about the fact that he's going to come as a thief in the night. And when you see the word arise, it is a pointer for us to ignite our lives, sharpen it, waiting and constantly looking just to hear the voice of the trumpets. Ignite. Shine your light. And God is calling on you and I. Arise. Escape for your life. A man that will escape in darkness will have light to see where to escape to. But I'm going to focus on the S in this arise, which is separate. Separate from Sodom, 
and all that remains there. It was time for Lot to separate from all his cattle. Remember, he had cattle and herds. Those material possessions which made him to pitch his tent towards Sodom. It was time for him to separate himself from his tents, which he has already pitched towards Sodom. So when you say, arise, separate yourself. This man has lived in Sodom for about 20 years. He has mixed with the people. He has developed ties, including business ties, family ties, and all forms of ties. Perhaps some of his daughters, as we read in the scripture, were now married to the men of Sodom. Material ties to Sodom. You remember that the wife looked back. And that looking back is not just by turning your eyes and look back. No. It's actually turning back. Wanting to go and pick something. Now, Jesus Christ told us in the book of Luke about let that person who is escaping not run back. And he said, remember Lot's wife. Meaning, he's not just talking about a turning of head, but it's actually a turning of back to go pick something. Material ties. My brother, my sister, is there anything that you have in the world, that you own in the world, that will be very difficult for you to leave? God is calling upon you. Arise. Arise. Separate from them. And I'm not talking about just a physical separation here, lest I be misunderstood. The matter which we are raising here is the separation of your heart, a separation of your love, a separation of your passion for those things. Now, we'll stop my illustration temporarily and speak with you. That God requires a measure of separation from the world for all his children. I want to say that again. As sojourners in this world, the Bible said, put it thus. It said, and be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewal of your mind. Meaning, as we are, there is a call of God upon our lives to be separate, to not be conformed. That our soul is not conformed to the methods, to the ways, and to the things of this world. God desires that we possess nothing in the world that stands in our way of loving God and escaping. I want to tell you that some people will be tied by their connections, by their love in this world when Jesus comes. I pray that will not be you, that will not be me in Jesus' name. And so God is saying, let nothing in our hands or around us stand in our way of embracing the cross. So when you read Apostle Paul saying, what shall separate us from the love of God? In the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 36, what he was referring to was that nothing will be between him and God. Brothers and sisters, if anything today is between you and God, that you must embrace and embrace with God, that thing could hinder you from escaping. You know, when God called and spoke to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, take thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, and go sacrifice him on the mount, I will show thee. What was happening there is not that God just wanted to kill Isaac. No, no. What was happening there was that God needed to severe his love. God needed to put his love to test. So he went on. He placed Isaac there, ready to kill the promised child. That he has waited all his life to get. And as he lifted up the knife, the voice came. 
and the conclusion was that now I know that you love me. What are we saying here? If you are to arise, there must be a line of separation between you and this world. There must be a line of separation between you and the materials of this world and the things that are in the world. And that space that is between you must be occupied by God and the love for God. That songwriter says, nothing in my hands I bring. And simply to the cross, I cling. So today, we see many people wanting to come to God. And the approach is one hand. They take some things and hold on to some things in the world. And with the other hand, they want to embrace God. It doesn't happen like that. And if you're like that, God is saying, arise. So when we say separation here, we are talking about severance. We are talking about consecration. So with the angels saying to Lord, arise. Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here. I hope you notice that the angels did not say, take thy servants. Do you remember the servants? Those striving servants. Those fighting servants who were also instrumental to his separation from Abraham. Remember the fight? I was wondering, where were they on the day of Lord's visitation? It's either that they were not there again and they were already enticed with Sodom and they had gone or they were never considered in this escape at all. But I think it's the former because the things of this world are the way of separating masters and followers. I think so. So I must call you to consider that that, whether it's people or things, which make you to separate from the people of God, from the men of God, will they stand by you on the day of your visitation? When God is going to visit you, where will those things be? Those material things. Those material-seeking people. And we're going to talk about later in the series some of this matter, especially when we come to family. So I'll not use this session to talk about family and the, what the angel said about who you should go and look for. But I want to call your attention to one very, very serious sequence of events that God really wants us to see here. Now, let's go to the scriptures again. If you look at the book of Genesis chapter 19 and from verse 12, the Bible says, and the men, talking about the angel, said unto Lot, as thou any here, any besides, son in law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and what is it there? Whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. That was the first call that came unto Lot. First call. If you come to the next call that the angel gave to Lot, Verse 15. Let's look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here. And you see the narrowing of the people involved. Initially it was, Do you have anyone that you care to save? That you care to go talk to? Now, because the time is going, just take your wife. 
And those two that are here, no other person. Let's go. And when we come to verse 16, the Bible says, And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand. Meaning, in the first time, he was to go. The second one in verse 15, he was to take. Bring, take. This time around, he was lingering. And the angels took his hand out towards safety. And that was what we saw in verse 16. The Bible says, and while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand. Did you see lay hold upon his hand there? They laid hold upon his hand. And the hand of his wife. And upon the hand of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful unto him. Now, you realize that this man was only experiencing the mercy of God. It was purely the mercy of God that got him out of Sodom. So you see the narrowing of the grace that he had. For the deepening of God's mercy. It was God's mercy that took him out. The expansion of God's mercy unto him. Because he would have been destroyed in Sodom. And also you see the perilousness of procrastination. The first time, he had an option. Go, go get people. The second time, narrowed. The third time, as a matter of fact, you all know the story. And if you don't, read the book of Genesis, chapter 19. His wife was lost. His children were lost while they were alive. And his progeny became enemies of God. If you read the book of Genesis chapter 19, the Bible says that the children that they gave birth, talking about the daughters now, for him, they are the fathers of the Moabites, right? And the Ammonites. These were the enemies of God. You can read the Bible. Time will not permit us to go into that and the scope of the study. So, God's grace was narrowed. But God's mercy was deepened. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, We then, as workers together with him, we beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. You see, this man had the opportunity in the night to get to know that the world was going to be destroyed. And he went out. But he was still there. The next call he was going to get, it was just a few. Limits. Narrowing. The pleading I have for you all is this call to separation. Getting ready to leave. And not just only you. But also, all that are yours. All that you have in this city of destruction. You should have a genuine concern. And when we talk about family, we will talk more about this. And escape for your life. Today you can still take advantage of the grace of God. That has appeared unto all men. You are still able to bring out not just yourself. But your family. Out of the city of destruction. And you must do that urgently. You must do that by severing yourself. And encouraging those around you to severe themselves from this world. You must cleave unto Christ. You must do it now. And you must do it fast. Now, if you come to the matter of escape. So, with your eyes, we see, one, awake. Two, we see, realize, revive. Three, ignite. Four, separate. And five, escape. And when we get to that verse 17, it says, escape for thy life. Because of our time, I will just go quickly through this escape because we have opportunities to talk about the scope of this escape more as we talk about 
other parts within the series. For example, when we talk about remembering lot wise. So, so that it's not going to be that we just thought about lots. God there, through the Holy Spirit, caused that to be written, and he said, escape. I see two experiences here. Experience number one, it's salvation. Come out. Come out from among them and be ye separate. But you are not saved until you are saved. Praise the Lord. There is a second part. Salvation is of two parts. The temporal salvation and the eternal salvation. But before you can be part of the eternal salvation, you must escape from the world. You must escape from the judgment that is coming upon the world. And you know the, the book of Revelation tells us very well, talking about being overcomers. In each of the letters written to the churches in Asia, minor. And God caused the Holy Spirit to write it down clearly, even unto John, the beloved. And say, eat thou overcome it, eat thou overcome it, eat thou overcome it. There is the need to overcome after you have come out. It is not enough. They say, I'm born again, praise the Lord. Maybe you raised up your hands in a fellowship. And then you say, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. But is that all? You must escape. You must come out. And you must enter. The illustration is given unto us. Even in the story of the children of Israel. They came out of Egypt. But not all of them entered into the promised land. Arise. Escape. So what do you mean by escape? If we go back to the book of Genesis, and quickly, we read from verse 17. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, meaning they were not in Sodom any longer, that he said, another word, this is another word coming after a comma, and it came, it's starting with a capital letter. It's an instruction. It's a command. This is a command. You know, when you get to the book of Hebrews, when the Bible began to say that if the words spoken by angels were sure and they, they, they came to pass, right? I'm paraphrasing here. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? The angels came to Lord here. Command, instruct, arise. The second instruction is escape. Capital letter. Escape for thy life. I want to put this escape in six parts and I wrap up. Number one, ensure you are a Christian indeed. Establish and ensure that you are a Christian indeed. If you have not come to the saving knowledge of the Lord, perhaps you are still dabbling with sin. After you claim that you have come out, you are still looking at the bleed and the bling of the world. Ensure you are still a Christian. Ensure that your Christianity is not just in the external, but it is the, that of the mind. Like that's the person that was described in Romans chapter 2, verse 28. The Bible says, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Not the one that just says, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the art, in the spirit, and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men. Oh, did you see that? Whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, there are people in our world today that they have not established that when Christ comes, there is no assurance that they will go with the Lord. You know, they may get praise of men. They may get praise of men of God. The Bible says, which 
is one inwardly and circumcision it of the heart. Bible says examine yourself. Check yourself. Establish yourself. Be sure that you're a Christian, not just in name. Not just externally. That you have come out of sin. And sin does not have dominion over your life anymore. And now that you're walking in the path towards heaven. Number two, S, synchronize. Set your eyes on heaven. Let your mind be on heaven. The Bible says now that you have become a believer, let your eyes, let's set your affection on the things above and not things, the next. That is what it means to escape. Possess the heavenly spirit. Let your mind be on heaven all the time. Pray for the kingdom of God to come. Don't forget that you are a sojourner in this world. The Bible talked about the men, the heroes of faith. You know what they did? They said they lived. Hebrews chapter 11, quickly. I know our time is already spent. Hebrews chapter 11. And this is already given unto us. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, they saw themselves as sojourners in the world. They saw themselves. They were synchronized with heaven. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, talking about Abraham, he said, For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And he talked about the fact that if they were mindful in verse 15 of the country from where they came from, they would have had reason to go back. They would have had reason. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. They're talking about escape. Synchronize. Set your eyes, your affection on where you are going to. Are you going to heaven? Let your eyes be on this. Possess the heavenly spirit. Be sure and be intentional about the choices you make in this world. You know, the world around us will call us because they will call us. Psalm 27 verse 4, it says, how shall we sing the Lord's song? The people, they, they require us a song to sing. He said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? He said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget according. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Brethren, you cannot afford to put one eye on the world and one eye on heaven. Bible says no man can serve two masters. How do you think you can do it? Jesus Christ said it. Our eyes must be synchronized with heaven. We must see everything in the world with the lens of how God sees it. And we must make our choices with the understanding that we don't want anything that will tie us to this world, knowing that we are sojourners in the world. The cost of being too engrossed in this world is too much. I want to plead, please, set your affection on things above. How do you do this? I come to see crucifixion. That's what it means to escape. Paul the apostle says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It must be crucified unto Christ and the world crucified unto us. Ready to go. A man can be a Christian and has escaped and still be in this world. Because escaping is not just a thing that happens when Jesus comes. A man, a person, must be Directly untied to the world, must be connected to heaven, must be a bride, must be communicating with the, with the bridegroom. And when Jesus comes as the bridegroom, because you are there, that is where your love is. You cannot share that love, the love of God, the love of Christ with the love of the world. And when you do that, you have not escaped. As a matter of fact, that's adultery. And I want to tell you today 
There are many adulterers in the kingdom. Paul the Apostle in his letter to, Gal to the Galatian church said in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. He must get to that point. It's the point of crucifixion in which Abraham got to. That though he possessed things, he was also rich. He had a child, but that child was dead to him. But his possessions were dead to him because he was crucified. You say, oh, how, how was Abraham crucified? Jesus was not even crucified. Oh, look at you. Look at you. If you read the Bible, you learn that the lamp was crucified from the foundation of the heart. It was the manifestation of it he came to see when Jesus came to the world. When God called Abraham and said, told him, walk before me and be thou perfect. See, that perfection, that escape is what we are talking about today. I quickly go because of my time. Be accurate, A, in observing your duty to God. Be, be, be correct. The world around us will cast God behind. Some people even in the church, visible church, will cast God behind. And many will not even observe God. They may observe anything that looks like God. We must oppose and set ourselves against sin and wickedness in others. And we must access God. We must make sure that we are true at all times. When we see unrighteousness around us, we have a duty. We need to reprove them. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 to 12, proving what is acceptable unto God. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Accurately observe God. Give attention to the things of God. Do those things that are acceptable to God. Always, all time, all the time. And have no fellowship with your fruitful works of darkness. Keep. Purify. Forge. Prove. Forge your conversation from this gross pollution. That part we just read, it said, proving what is acceptable to the Lord all the time, not temporarily. I end up by saying, lastly, E, to escape. Because escaping, escaping is not escaping until you have escaped. Am I making sense at all? The loss and his wife and the two daughters, they came out. Are you following? And we thought that they had actually escaped. But somebody looked back. The Lord's wife. And we're going to talk about that next week. But the Bible is calling upon you and I. Examine yourself constantly as you wait and as you walk, looking for and hastening unto the coming of that great day. That's when the Bible puts it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. I pray it will not be reprobates today in Jesus' name. Now I call everyone. Have you yet escaped? Maybe that's not where to start from. Perhaps it's allies. Can you see of the truth that you have stepped out? Or are you still lingering in the world? Are you saying, no, I'm not of them. But your love is still there. Those that God will bring home. The harvest that God will bring home are those that have escaped. If the five virgins 
that were foolish. They didn't make it. You know, there are some people that deceive people. People deceiving people. And they say, oh, God will never cast you away. He won't. The five foolish were also virgins. They were all waiting for the Lord. But they missed something. They missed something. You need to be ready. You need to be watching. You need to be waiting. In our own time, that is what it means to escape. Because destruction, you don't escape on the day you escape. You escape before the day of escape. The Lord amplify these words in our hearts in Jesus' name. You want to commit yourself unto the Lord and say, God, search me. Maybe you know where you are. Arise, escape for your life so that you have life eaten out. The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Have you really, really risen with Christ? Or are you dipping your tentacles to the world and you are creating more connections that will make it difficult for you to consecrate yourself, to establish yourself in Christ, to synchronize yourself with the Lord, to give yourself completely unto him, to be crucified with Christ? Are you, are you making decisions that would help you to be making, to be to be, to be, to be dilly-dallying. God is calling you. God is calling you. There's nothing in this world. Love. All the things that brought him to Sodom. There was none of those things he took out. You want to even pray to the Lord this evening. That God will sharpen your eyes. And make it that you would focus your eyes on heaven. It is part of escaping. That your eyes will be set on things above. And not things beneath. When you put things beneath so close to you. Your eyes just focus on it and you don't think of anything. You don't see anything far away. Can you pray to the Lord that he break me from everything? That is what it means to escape. Break me from every tentacles, every affection for the world, every affection for the things of the world that will make it hard and difficult for me to ascend with you. The Lord will do it and pray beyond this period. And God will answer our prayers in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the privilege you have given unto us once again to look into this law of liberty. Thank you because you have called us not just to arise, we have called us to escape. That I pray for everyone that has listened to this to truly arise and to truly escape from this world and be ready for your coming in Jesus' name. That you do this for everyone and take all glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because we know you have answered. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you and see you next week.